Hey, this is Craig Dills from Media. This is DJ Kaya. This is Elliot D'Souza. Hey, this is Jason D'Souza from Aldona. Hey, this is Nash Lobo from Aldona. This is Pascal D'Souza from Calgary. Hey, this is Roland Almeida. Hey, this is Roland Nasparenas. Hey, guys, this is Ron Montero from Lothalin. Hi, this is Roy Fernandez from Donna Paula. This is Ryan D'Souza from Cola. Hey, this is Steffi DeCruz. Hey, this is Tony Nazareth, and you are listening to... And you're listening to... And you're listening to the GSL. The GSL. GSL. GSL Podcast. And you're listening to the GSL Podcast. That's right, everybody. Welcome back to the last episode of the GSL podcast ever. Better late than never. I know the finals was almost a week and a half ago, but uh, it was just too busy to record a podcast. And I wanted to make sure we had a good one since it's going to be the finale of the season and of the podcast as a whole. Uh, a lot to get to in this episode, including a recap of the finals, uh, a list of everyone who won uh, the GSL trophies, but even more importantly, uh, at the end of this episode, we'll go through the GSL Podcast Awards. Uh, I know that people say that you want to win the league, you want to win the championship, you want to win the MVP, but let's be real. The only reason people play in the GSL is so that they can win their very own GSL Podcast Award. Um, there's no monetary value to these awards. There's actually not even a trophy, um, but there's pride. Definitely some pride on the line, and I'm sure the people that receive the awards will hold it as a badge of honor. But uh, more on that later. Before we get to the recap of the finals, I just wanted to take some time to, to talk about the beginnings of this podcast and, and where we've come since then, and also give a bunch of shout outs to a lot of different listeners and people that have been involved. Um, you know, I, as someone who listens to a lot of different sport podcasts, I always dreamed of having my own podcast or even just participating in one that already existed. But when I thought of, you know, the NFL, the NBA, the Premier League, I follow these leagues very closely. I listen to a lot of podcasts, but it's very easy for them. They have a professional league to talk about. There's always tons of news, trades, uh, you know, salary caps, owners. There's like a million different things you can talk about. And I didn't want to create another podcast that was just run of the mill talking about the NBA or talking about the Premier League. I wanted to talk about something unique and something that I was truly passionate about. And one day I realized, why not the GSL? And the truth is, when I first saw this idea... I was hesitant, but not really that hesitant because the GSL is unique in the fact that we have a lot of players coming from a lot of different families that all share a common goal and a love for soccer and specifically playing in a cultural league. I really thought it could bring us all together and just have a, a common voice to talk about the game we love and the league we love. And my goal was to start the podcast and I told myself at the beginning, you know, keep your expectations low and if we can just get 35 listeners a week. That's all I wanted was 35 people a week to listen. I was kind of assuming at the time that the 20 people on Aldena would listen. And then if I could get like 15 people uh, from the rest of the teams and fans, I'd be really happy. And uh, I thought that that would be enough to keep me going, keep me motivated. And I just wanted to thank all of you because I just couldn't believe. And if you go back to season one, you, you'll see the disbelief in my voice that, you know, some episodes we had over 300 people listening. Uh, we had a regular listenership of over 200 people a week. Uh, sending feedback, talking to me about it in person. And one of my favorite things by far about this podcast is just the fact that it's generated a lot of buzz in the league, a lot of hype, and a lot of uh, talking points. I'll be at the games, uh, even sometimes in the middle of the game, people will be saying, oh, I wonder if it's going to be on the podcast, or you know, I don't believe you, uh, you said this, I, I disagree with that. Um, I think it just gave people a, kind of a common medium to talk about the league and uh, agree or disagree with the points I made. I'd also like to mention that at this point, we have 7,322 plays. That's before we air the finale. And that's just 
unbelievable in my mind. It really is a testament to all of you loyal listeners and all the people that really appreciate the podcast and the league. Uh, I, I think it would have been nice to get to 10,000. That would have been a really, really nice number to celebrate with you guys. But still, I, th- I think if you had told me at the beginning you're eventually going to have over 7,000 plays on this show, uh, I would have taken that in a heartbeat. Um, and more specifically, I want to give you some thank yous to, first off, my wife, Bianca. She's actually the editor of the podcast. I know I never said that before. Um, she's kind of been more of an undercover role, but it's always her job to listen to the podcast, tell me which parts to cut out or add on to. Um, thanks to her, you know, I've also reined in a lot more controversial comments that I could have made, but also maybe delved into some more topics that I needed explaining. And uh, I really want to thank her. I want to thank Frank from AC Soccer on Dixie. He was our first sponsor of the podcast really supported us from day one, so thanks to him. Give a shout-out to Tony Nazareth, the undefeated winner of the PCOR. He benefited from Frank's uh, sponsorship, but was also very humble in his victory and is a huge, uh, huge fan of the podcast and listens to every episode. I want to thank all the guests that came on. You know, when I wanted to bring on guests, it served as two roles. The first thing was I knew that the audience, although I was lending my expertise and I'm a consistent kind of voice for you to kind of follow and you can track storylines, I know how important it is to involve other people in the community and also just get other opinions. Uh, It's really nice to have people on just to discuss their point of view. Sometimes people from other teams will have a completely different view of something that I just take for granted. And I think uh, the best example of that was Keegan, who uh, I found him to be such a great guest and really, really analytical and have great insights that I actually asked him to be the co-host for this season. And the feedback I've received has been unanimously positive. They've all appreciated having Keegan on this season. Uh, giving different perspective, and he's someone with a lot of history in the league, which I thought was really nice uh, to, to have on the show. Um, so thanks to Keegan for being my co-host and joining the season. Um, I need to thank all the GSL insiders. This show would not be possible without the GSL insiders. You know, they're constantly giving me information, recaps about games that I wasn't able to watch myself, different perspectives, sometimes anonymous quotes, which is always really good to have. But in particular, I wanted to thank, uh, not necessarily GSL insiders, but big fans of the show and big supporters, uh, Croydon DeMello from Aguada, Ron Montero from Lotalim, and Andrew Fernandez from now. He's on Aguada as well. Uh, big shout out to The Shadow. You know, we never revealed your identity. I thought I still think The Shadow's episode, for those of you that can take a joke and are kind of lighthearted about the league, still one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. It just had me uh, in splits laughing a lot. And still haven't revealed the identity. I still won't reveal it here, but all I'm going to say is this little hint. It's not called The Shadow out of nothing. Like Think about The Shadow and think about players in the league. And you might get there uh, yourself if you think about it really hard. And finally, I need to thank you, the listeners and the fans. Uh, Constantly throughout uh, the past three years, many of you have approached me. Many actually parents of players has been the the most amazing thing to hear is when parents come up to me saying, we listen to the podcast, we love uh, hearing your analysis, we think you should talk about this or that. Um, Also former players and people that don't live in Toronto anymore. The international following is also huge. It's way more than you think it would be. I have the stats on kind of which countries are listening. We actually have a huge following in India uh, as well as abroad. So big, big thanks to all the international listeners and, you know, everyone that tuned in. Whether or not you listen to all three years or you're tuning in later or at the beginning, just thanks a lot for supporting the show. I really appreciate it. And it's been my pleasure to bring it to you these past three years. All right, that's enough about the thank yous and the introduction. Let's get into the last recap. That's right, a recap of the finals between Aguada and Margao. All right, let's jump right into it. A recap of the final match of the season between Margo and Aguada. And in order to recap the finals, let's bring in my co-host, Keegan. How's it going, man? Hey, Wendell. I'm good. 
always an exciting time to talk about the finals. It's the last game of the season, but also it's kind of a bittersweet moment for us. It's our last game that we're going to recap together. So let's make the most out of it and kind of jump right into the analysis. As everyone knows, we kind of had Margao, this, this resurrection of their team. They were so dominant 2014 and before that, uh, also being a team that went perfect for the season, winning every single game, including the playoffs, all the way to the finals um, back in the day. So this was kind of their statement, uh, their resurgence versus Aguada, who have been this dynasty of recent times, you know, seven out of ten finals, a number of championships coming from a team that hadn't won before. Uh, however, quite inconsistent. You never know who's going to show up, uh, what a Guada team is going to come. So really was an interesting matchup to see what happened. And it resulted in a championship for Margao, uh, the Simba winning uh, their sixth championship, uh, having last one in 2014, as we said. And the crazy thing about this game is it actually wasn't really that close a contest. I know that you were there on site, Keegan. Um, give us a little bit of uh, what you saw of the game, your impressions, and how things went down. Yeah, you know, being at the game, it wasn't quite what I expected. Similar to um, Aguada's season, you know, you weren't sure what team was going to show up, and that's kind of what happened in the final. From my perspective, the team that you know showed up against us and played a really tough, close game didn't show up for the finals, uh, and Margo had, had, a, had a pretty easy game overall. You thought they did show up, sorry, or they didn't show up? Oh, they, they did not show up. Like, the team that played us was really physical, intense, you know, talking to each other, communicating. Uh, you know, defensively, were really cohesive. But in this game, it, it was very quiet. There was not too many people talking, you know, give, giving instructions. They were missing Casey for the first half, so maybe that had a bit of an impact. But still, overall, there wasn't the same intensity, and uh, Margo had a pretty easy game for the most part. Yeah, you had mentioned actually on the last episode that in their semifinal against you, Casey was so instrumental in kind of galvanizing the defense, really dictating orders, really organizing the team. I did hear uh, from one of our insiders that he was away for the first half. But however, we haven't really been able to pinpoint an exact reason. Are you, are you aware of why he was late for this game? I mean, this is the finals. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. We'd have to reach out to some insiders on Aguara to see what exactly was uh, the reason for him being late. But I think he probably had like another game or you know maybe another event to be at. Who knows? Exactly. That, that's what I had heard, that uh, it was a prior commitment. But very unfortunate for Guada. I think it's kind of what comes with the territory, though. If you're going to be one of those teams that's like ultra-talented, but relying on these stars that play kind of in other leagues and are not really around all the time, uh, it goes both ways. You know, they can show up in a semifinal and win you a game against the undefeated goatees, or, you know, they might not show up in the finals and then you lose. So... It's kind of worked uh, against them. One thing I will say is that a little bit disappointed that certain players uh, on Aguada did not play to their highest potential. This is kind of what I saw, you know, live in person last season. When they played you guys in the finals, you know, this was like a clash of two Titans. They were going for a three-peat. Um, and I really found that you guys, you know, you, you guys did well in that you won the game and you did what you were supposed to do. But I found them to be very lackluster in the finals, really dipped their performance and were not the Guada you know, that we've seen sometimes. So disappointing that that happened two finals in a row for them where they maybe peaked in the semis leading up to the finals. Um, we'll give credit where credit's due to, to Margao now. Um, the first goal was an unfortunate own goal by Clay and DeMello, you know, trying to clear uh, clear the ball out of the box and it took a, a nasty deflection and went into the goal. And uh, it was one nothing for a while. This was in the 24th minute. Things were kind of uh, back and forth, back and forth. 
But then uh, cometh the hour, cometh the man, 70th minute, Gavin DeMello with another crucial goal, uh, scoring against Andrew D'Souza to kind of ice the game. And, uh, you know, final score was Margot 2, Aguada 0. So Gavin DeMello, you know, a known striker for Margot. He kind of rotates his position based on their needs. He's definitely dipped in form and performance since, uh, since you know, peak Gavin, which is maybe five years ago, I'd say. Uh, but still coming up with these crucial goals, one in the semis, one in the finals. Uh, what did you think of his goal and his performance overall? Yeah, you know, when you when you get to big games, you always need your big players to step up, and he definitely did for them. Um, like, that goal was fantastic. It was from a slightly tight angle, but he really hit a nice volley in, in the, the lower left side, giving Andrew no chance. Uh, when the, like when he caught the ball in that position, I actually didn't think he would be able to score from there, but he hit it really sweetly, and it, it went, you know, right in the corner, maybe even off the post, the inside of the post. So it, it was a really well-hit shot and, and definitely a goal that they deserved because, you know, you got to give credit where it's due. Like Margot, they controlled the game really well. Uh, they had a bunch of midfielders. I, I don't really know their names. They were slightly younger guys, but they just controlled the tempo of the game beautifully. They passed the ball around, created a lot of chances. Like the 2 nothing score kind of makes it seem like the game was a little close. Uh, it could have been easily 3 or 4 if Andrew, uh, the Aguada goalie, didn't pull out some absolute, absolutely stunning saves to, to rob uh, some Marga players. Yeah, this is uh, another thing that was reported was Andrew D'Souza had a great game in net. You know, he has been voted in a previous podcast, I think it was last season, the All-Stars, um, that he was rated as the top goalie in the GSL. And he definitely has shown that throughout the playoffs. I remember him making a lot of great saves against you guys as well in the semifinals and uh, that's kind of what you need from a from a star goal you need them to show up but unfortunately you know a goalie can only do so much he can try and prevent most goals some goals are just impossible for a goalie to save and you really need to rely on your offense to generate uh, some goals and win you the game uh, let's talk about Margau now you know this is the team that last season I said you know they've lost their fear factor uh, and this is this was coming out of even a personal note whereas Margau was always the one team that I personally uh, dreaded playing just because I knew how physical they were, how talented they were. I never liked playing them growing up. And even for me, I was like, you know, I'm not scared of this team anymore. I really feel like we can beat them. We can take them. And I really thought that they had lost their edge. And I'd called them out last season. I said, you know, they need to get that fear factor back. They didn't. They had another disappointing season. This season, they came out flying. They were undefeated in the regular season. They tied both of their games against you guys. Um, they actually tied both of their games against us. But you could tell that they were very strong. And I challenged them to make it to the finals. That's what I said at the beginning of the season. Can you make it to the finals? Now, I think that that kind of challenge was a little bit counterfeited by the fact that they had probably the easiest run to the finals you can have playing the seventh place team and the sixth place team. But that being said, my challenge to them was, you know, now that they're in the finals, can they step up? Can they win? And that's exactly what they did. They won a championship for the first time in four years. What are your thoughts on Margot Keegan? Um, I think you'll agree it's great for the league to have another team winning the championship this year but what are your overall thoughts on Marga, their progression and where they can go from here yeah i think overall the goal that they probably set for themselves at the start of the year was to win a championship you know we might have seen it slightly differently but uh they did a good job setting out sorry reaching the goal that they set out uh but just overall looking at the team like you know you talked about that fear factor they might not have that same intimidation in terms of the physical play but the quality of their team overall has definitely stepped up the last couple, like the last from previous years. 
uh, earlier, you know, they had a lot of young guys uh, who didn't really step up their game when it mattered. But uh, this year, the, you've really seen those guys mature and they're able to to influence big games. And and we're going to see that moving forward because, you know, they're, like I mentioned, they're, their midfield is really young and they'll control, you know, games for many, many years to come. So they'll definitely be a force, you know, next year as well. Yeah, they definitely have some solid youth on their team. They're also very well coached um into a certain style like margot always has the same style of play i feel like it's an effective style for them it's the style they should be playing um it's a combination of possession and also uh, long balls to attack while really relying on their rock solid defense but i think it definitely works for them their style and led the way for them this year um i think that this is a huge not only you know the fact that they won a championship but it's a huge statement win for them in the, in the sense that they can say listen you guys talk a lot about Aguada. You guys talk a lot about Lotalim. You know, Alden is always supposed to be this team that just needs to take the next step, blah, blah, blah. But we're Margot. We're here. We win championships. And what's crazy to think of is that they're now at six championships. They're only one behind Para, which is the greatest dynasty in the history of GSL, at seven. So they're going to be highly, highly motivated to catch up to Para and overtake them. Um, really, really amazing stuff that they might overtake that record. And uh, as you said, they have a lot of youth, especially after absorbing Mopsa. Um, so they might have a bright future. Personally, I'm hoping that they'll be able to find some more players or bring some more players back from injury so that Mopsa can be reborn. I think it was really good for them to have a far team and kind of blood some new players and give them experience. Um, do you share that similar sentiment? Do you think that Mopsa was kind of a good farm team for them and helped them with their current success? Yeah, I mean, in an, in an ideal world, you know, and, and what's best for the league is for them to have two teams. Um, but at the same time, when, when one team is not competitive in the league, that kind of defeats the purpose of giving people game time. Because when uh, when players come and they're getting beat, you know, four or five nothing every game, it kind of takes away from the, the, the love of the game and, and, and for them to keep playing. So uh, if they're able to keep like two, like one obviously great team and one competitive team, that, that would be best for the league but that's not always possible but you got to give their their coaches and their team management credit because they really uh you know grow the talent you know year over year and 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 uh the practice sessions that they have every week definitely pays off each summer yeah i've, I've heard crazy stories about these practices like some people come to the practices and they're not even on mopsa or margao they're on like a practice squad that is told that they show commitment and potential, they might be recruited at a later time. Like it's crazy. The stories I've heard about these practices. Yeah. Uh, I've heard some crazy stories too. Uh, but I mean like that's the kind of, you know, commitment that they want from their, uh, from their star players. Right. And, and it, it's a good way to grow a team to show, you know, what exactly is needed to, if you want to be play at the highest level uh, within their organization. Definitely, definitely. Kudos to their management structure. Um, that concludes our recap of the finals. You know, congrats to Margao. Uh, our condolences to Aguada. They've been to the finals so many times. I, I still would rather make it to the finals and lose than not make it at all. So definitely they should hang their heads up high and hopefully they'll come back strong again next year. Uh, just to tie some loose ends, we had some other trophies and awards that were handed out at the finals. Uh, the junior MVP was won by Tyler Pinto from Lotalim. We had the senior MVP. This was actually, you know, we talked about this a lot last time. We said, you know, it could be Dwayne, um, you know, it could be Craig. Uh, and in the end, I think the right person won. Dwayne Lobo Perez from Margao showed consistency throughout the season, really led them to a strong, undefeated 
regular season and just you know for him to score so many goals uh, from a midfield slash forward position was very impressive um, so congrats to Dwayne from Margo and he has a championship now to add to that as well um, we had the top scorers the golden boot winners we already talked a lot about this last episode about Craig Raj from Lotalim and Dwayne from Margo congratulations to them now, Keegan, speaking of awards that need to be banned slash repurposed, we've already talked about how we desperately need a breakout player award. I mean, there's so many players that I can think of that could be, you know, fighting for the breakout player, breakout season, whatever. We've talked so much about that. But the division winners trophy, can you please explain this to me? I'm, I assume this can because for those listeners that are wondering who won the division, most of you are going to think, oh, that's probably Lotalum. You know, they won the league, but not the championship. No, this is the division title. That goes to Margo. Now, this is coming from a person where, for all that, when we tied Lotum like two or three years ago, which led us to win the division, which was our first trophy in like years and years and years, we went bonkers. We went nuts. We were taking photos. We were going crazy. So, I mean, for this is coming from a team that loved winning the division. This is just a pointless trophy. It's given to the team that won the division, but not the league. They're kind of second place if they're from a different division than the league championship. Keegan, can you explain this trophy and? Do we even need this trophy for anything? Yeah, I'm kind of on the fence about it. Um, also, uh, it's for those that are hardcore fans of the league will know that the league is split up into two divisions. I think it's North and South, or maybe there's like actual names to them. Yeah, no, it's, it's North and South. Well, it's like, yeah, and, or it isn't Salsa, but it's North and South. Yeah, so basically, whatever team wins the league, the division winner is from the other uh, from the other side or the other division, uh, so it, it 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 in in for the most part, it's always a team that comes second. But sometimes it can also be the team that's third if if the first two teams are from the same division. So in that case, I'm not sure exactly what the trophy is um, is, is celebrating, but you know it's something that the league's had for a long time, and uh, I don't think they have any intention of taking it away. Yeah, hopefully this is something they can bring up. I mean, just because we've had something for a long time doesn't mean we should keep doing it. Like, it's so pointless and stupid when you can have much better awards. Most improved even would be a good one or, you know, greatest comeback award, things like that. Someone that maybe was injured. So, or came back quick to question for you, Wendell. When you say, like, most improved, like, how would you want to track that? Like, is it goals? Is it, you know, assists, impact on the game? Because it's kind of hard to quantify and, and uh, you know, it's, it's hard to keep track for every individual team because you wouldn't really know who's improved from other teams right how would you want to uh gauge like who would win this award totally agree so to be honest if if i were to choose one trophy it would actually be the breakout season which i think is easier to gauge because it's basically that person that came absolutely out of nowhere and now is all of a sudden is being buzzed about in the league people are talking about johnny van dream would have been a great example from two two years ago maybe gregory d'souza from this year um these are uh, matthew pace you know names that coming out of nowhere and all of a sudden are doing really well and I think that's easier because you don't have to track it statistically as much. It's more of a hype around the league and who's talking about what. Um, if, if you were to do most improved, you would have to do it similar to the MVP nominations where each team nominates their most improved player and explains why. And then the teams would get together and vote on who they think the most improved player and did they notice the same improvement? Um, to have they noticed that player being much better than they previously recognized? It would kind of have to go to a player that's been around a while and all of a sudden made a huge leap. Uh, that was the way that I would track it or kind of nominate it. Um, and I think that that would work, but if, but to be honest, if I were to pick one, it would be, I would definitely lean towards breakout season rather than most improved. Yeah. See, I think the, the only problem with that is that the breakout season sounds very similar to what the junior, the intentions of the junior MVP trophy are. The only difference would be, I think 
the junior MVP, it has to be in your first two years in the league. Like you have to be, uh, you know, like under 18. But I think for your award, you're saying any age that's shown a, like a, a big impact will would qualify for it, right? Yeah, because the problem is the junior MVP can't be the breakout season award because most of the time, the people coming in at such a young age, most of the time, they're not having a breakout year. They're just there because it's their first year in the league. You know, there's so many people that have been in the league, they may peak or, or really develop around their second, third, maybe fourth season. All of a sudden, they come out of nowhere. Um, so I think the junior MVP award, because it has such restrictions on it, you end up looking at the nominations and mo a lot of them, you don't even know their names. It helps if they have pictures and then you can kind of recognize them maybe. But most of the younger players, they're not making as huge an impact as maybe someone in their fourth or fifth year. So that's why I think it would be much more impactful to have something that's, that can be won by any age group. Yeah, definitely have uh, your Aldona representative bring it up at the next meeting so that the teams can vote on it and uh, and see if it moves forward to uh, be applicable for the next season. Yeah, for sure. So anyways, that was division winners. That was just a little sidebar between us. Another trophy I think should be gone. Uh, next up, we have league champions. So th this one makes sense. The league, cha well, okay, I don't, I don't know if it should be called league champions. It probably should be called like regular season champions because even to me, league champions kind of sounds like you won the whole league. But anyways, league champions is... At the end of the regular season, the team in first place. This was won by Lotalem. Um, this is a legit trophy because it shows, yeah, you might might not always be the same team that wins in the playoffs in the league, but this is hard to win in the sense that you need to be consistent throughout the entire summer. This is very difficult to do. Um, so I think that's a legit trophy, and congrats to you guys for winning that. Next up, we have the best defensive team. So this is just the least goals against, and the total number was four. Also won by you guys. I think this goes really hand in hand. The fact that you guys had so few goals against means you don't need to score as many goals to win, even though you guys did score a crazy amount of goals. And that led to you guys being lead champion. So those two kind of make a lot of sense. And sometimes they go hand in hand. Sometimes they don't. And I really like this trophy too because it gives defenders in the league a chance to shine and really aim towards a goal. It's very difficult for defenders to win the MVP sometimes or really mark their name on a game. But uh, having a best defensive team really gives them a chance as a unit to say, especially with the goalkeeper, listen, look look how few goals we let in. This is how good we are defensively. Um, yeah, defenders in general don't really get, you know, too much credit. Like if there's, if you don't hear their names, it's usually a good thing because they only get, defenders and goalkeepers too, they only get highlighted when there's a mistake. But a lot of times they do a great job and, you know, they don't get the credit. Whereas as a striker, you can miss three or four chances. But if you score the game winner, you know, you still get the credit, but if the other thing happens and you make one mistake that concedes a goal, like you're known for all the wrong reasons. So it's, it's definitely good to highlight, you know, defenders that don't usually always get praise. Completely agree. It's always amazed me that you can have the worst game ever, but if you score in the 90th minute, you're like the hero of the team. Whereas a goal, you can make save after save after save. And if you let in a penalty shot, that wasn't even your fault. Like you're the goat. So a uh, huge, huge shout out to them. And lastly, we have the best sporting team. So this is the team that received the fewest amount of cards, so fewest yellows, fewest reds. And, you know, Breath of Fresh Air won by Donna Paula, which, you know, this is no joke. It's not easy to stay disciplined in this league sometimes, and especially for them because, you know, they, they had a lot of poor results. You think maybe tempers will take over, they'll get angry, maybe do some late challenges. But no, Donna Paula with the least amount of cards, huge shout-out to them, and uh, a really good sign that despite their poor form of results, they're, they're staying with their heads high. And they're not resorting to you know dirty tackles or anything like that. I, 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 Keegan, did you want to give them a shout out at all for that? Absolutely, I think they definitely deserve it. Uh, in general, like the league has, uh, has has definitely you know gotten calm in this sense. I think Everest mentioned this was the first time 
in a couple of years that there was not a single red card the entire season, uh, which which is an accomplishment for the league to be proud of. Yeah, that's uh, huge. That's that's really really big. Yeah, and also like there aren't too many rivalries and or heated rivalries, I should say, as there were in the past. Because earlier, you know, you'd always have at least one or two like you know skirmishes and fights that happen during the season. But I can't really think of any that happened, you know, this year. So the league's kind of like simmered down a little. Yeah, it's really good. I think talent has kind of take over from hotheads. Uh, I think uh, back in the day, there used to be a lot more physicality to maybe compensate for some other things. Or as you said, maybe some rivalries between players that had known each other a long time getting into arguments. But the fact that we have so so few uh, yellow cards and even no red cards for the first time, that's actually phenomenal. And really a testament to how the league has really calmed down, as you said, and is becoming more, you know, I would say family friendly because we do have families coming out to these games. We do have, you know, families trying to enroll their kids in the league. So I think that's really good and, and a really positive note going forward. And uh, on that note, you know, we have to say goodbye. There's no easy way to do this, Keegan. But unfortunately, this is last, you know, episode of the season and of the series. It's been great having you as a co-host. I really wanted to thank you for joining me this season. Uh, it's been great to bounce ideas off you and, and have you come up with your own visions, your own thoughts on the games, and even call me out sometimes on my opinions or or if you disagree or agree. Uh, I just really wanted to say thank you for joining me this season. Wendell, it's been my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And, you know, all good things must come to an end. So we'll leave it at that. All right, Keegan. Best of luck <laughs> next year. I'll be I'll be definitely seeing you on the field. And maybe, oh, I think we, we said we have to, did we come up with a prize for the bet who scores more next year? Did we? Did we decide what the prize would be? I can't remember. We did not, but uh, let, let's say a, a pitcher of beer. Well, the loser buys a pitcher, all right? No, no, I have something better than that. I mean, the, the okay. truth is, though, it's unfortunate. I'm, I'm not trying to make excuses already, even though I'm about to make a huge excuse. Because I'm flying in for games, I can't really make it to all the games. I'm at, already at a disadvantage. But I know that I think you don't make all the games also, plus sometimes you play defense, is what you told me. Uh, well, no, I didn't play defense this season. I'll tell you what, Wendell. I'll make it fair for you. We'll do, uh, you know, goals per game. So we'll average out whatever goals I score, depending based on how many games I play, and we'll compare that. That's brilliant. I love that goals to game ratio. And this is my wager to you. And I'm doing this live, so I'm hoping you're going to accept it, or otherwise it's going to be kind of diplomatic. <laughs> my wager is next year at the finals. This only works if one of us doesn't make the finals, but the loser of the bet has to show up wearing some kind of costume. We'll come up with the costume later on, but it's going to be something embarrassing. And you have to wear it the entire finals. All right. Sounds good. Perfect. Bet is on. I'll see you on the field next year. Uh, thanks a lot, Keegan. Have a good day. You too, man. Take care. All right. Thanks a lot to Keegan for joining for the recap of the finals. And congrats again to Margot on winning the championship. Now is the moment you've all been waiting for. Let's get into the awards.
first award we have is the most loyal listener. Obviously, this is an easy award to give because on the website, I can track who's listening and how long they're listening for. So without further ado, I'd actually like to name the top three most loyal listeners of the GSL podcast. Number one, Steven Fernandez from Aguada. Very, very close second. And actually, number two was the leader throughout the entire history of the podcast until very recently. But the silver medal goes to Kreif Dos Remedios. Interestingly, both players from Aguada and coming in with the bronze medal in third place, Nicholas Green from Lothalem. So thank you to you three for being the top three most loyal listeners of the podcast and really appreciate your support. Our next award goes to the most loyal international listener. Uh, this is a separate category and it's actually a tie. A uh, huge shout out goes to Rohit Almeida, who's listening all the way from the States and uh, Maylene Lamb hailing all the way from the UK another loyal listener of the podcast keeping with our theme of loyalty our final award in the loyalty category goes to the most loyal listener who has nothing to do with the GSL and this is won single-handedly and unanimously by Max London Max is a uh, Toronto native currently doing actually finishing his PhD in genetics but for some reason he has a passion for soccer and the GSL and he has listened to every single episode and always provides me with great feedback so huge thank you to Max Moving on, we have the Undercover Obsessed Award. This goes to a player that, you know, on the face of it, would never admit he's obsessed with the podcast, would never admit he listens to every single episode as soon as it comes out, and actually has a dedicated WhatsApp group just to talking about the podcast. I'm sure the listener knows who it is. He probably has that sinking feeling in his stomach right now. But this is won by none other than Brendan Gomes from Margot, also known as Brendan Short Shorts Gomes. Uh, congratulations, Brendan, and thank you for your support, even if it's undercover support. Next up, we have the hardest name to pronounce in the history of the GSL. And loyal listeners, this is easy for you. One by Naga Adrian Rayaverapu. Now, I must admit, this has become easier and easier to pronounce because he's actually quite a frequent goal scorer for Bogmalo. So I've gotten used to that name a little bit more, but definitely want to give him a shout out as the hardest name to pronounce and a nightmare for any commentator in the future. Finally, our last award goes to the number one source of gossip. A lot of you might wonder, how did I hear about this? How could I possibly have heard about that? Uh, and, you know, not all the time, but a lot of the times it's from the GSL's very first and our only agent. The number one source of gossip goes to the agent, DJ Kaya. Love DJ Kaya. Always a huge fan of the podcast and he listens to every episode and always gives me funny things to talk about. So thanks to DJ Kaya. That's all the awards for the GSL podcast. Before we finish, we need to conclude the final episode like we do every season finale, and that's with an open letter. So this is me signing off, Wendell, your host for the GSL podcast. Thank you to everyone who's been listening. Here's one last open letter just to tide you into the night. Dear Goan adults with children aged over 16 years, please sign up your kids for the Goan Soccer League. This is a league full of passionate players, full of leaders. I wouldn't go as far to say role models, but definite leaders. They can mold your children into athletes you wish they were. 
The Goan Soccer League is dying. We used to have 12 teams. And now we're down to just seven. It doesn't matter if your kid knows how to play soccer. I'm not even sure half the players on Colva ever learned the rules of the game. But what we need is bodies. Put them in matching colored t-shirts, even if they're triple XL like on Bugmalo, and register them for the Goan Soccer League. If you're looking to develop their vocabulary, I promise you when they play Margao, they will learn words they've never even heard about. Or if you want to toughen them up, I'm sure when they play Aldena, someone will have a late slide tackle on them. Probably Roland. And if you want to teach them about responsibility, about commitment, make sure they don't show up for the game against Aguada, because that's probably not the time to learn about that. And if it's greatness you want them to achieve, just look at Lotalem. They will teach your child at a very young age. If at first you don't succeed, find the most talented players in the league and bring them to your team, and I promise you, you'll succeed after that. The time to sign up for the league is now. It doesn't matter if they don't have the experience. Donna Paula needs that win. Give them that win. So, if you had a child born in the year 2002 or before that, sign them up today for the Goan Soccer League, the greatest league in the world. this in the podcast simply because you can fucking right, get go. everybody <laughs> else everybody has to fucking be shit scared of aldona fuck you all right fuck all the other six teams all right, <laughs> all right.